0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Valkyries. I'm Jacob. On the line is Susie. Susie, hello. How are you doing this Friday evening?
1: Hey, Jacob. I'm very ready for the weekend. How about you?
0: Yeah, same here. Uh, It's it's been a long day for me because I was doing some fun stuff, but you know, it's just one of those things where when you spend the whole day doing something, you just are that much more tired.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you're like running around talking and... Being, being social, I'm. Yeah. I'm always ready for bed after that.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, let's jump right into what's been pretty much the most important week for Rain FC, and it started off on a very good note in their victory over Utah Royals FC this past Wednesday night to the tune of two one, with goals from Bethany Balser and Jody Taylor. Uh, Utah got their lone goal from Katie Stangle, but. The most important thing of that is the fact that Rain FC won, and it put them over Utah Royals FC to claim, as of right now, the fourth spot in the standings, which is also the final available NWSL playoff spot. So, Susie, what are your thoughts and reactions from Wednesday's massive game?
1: I feel like I'm still holding my breath from that game. <laughs> <laughs> that was—it was a like the rain came out and executed their game plan. So well, yeah, um, but they had to wait until the eighty sixth minute to get the game winner, mm-hmm. uh, and there was a period of time after Utah scored their first their one goal, where it kind of felt like they had a little momentum mm-hmm. um, and you're like, a tie is just not helpful at all for the rain, um, so it was super stressful to watch, but it was a really good match, and um, I thought the rain showed so much character and grit and um i was in in particular really impressed with jody taylor and and not just the goal that she scored but she created three really solid chances and was like all over the field and helping with the press and defense and um really good momentum heading into the weekend
0: yeah uh it's weird because after utah gets their equalize equalizing goal i was thinking of course, that's what's going to happen. A game where both teams needed to win. It's going to end in a draw, and it's, just going, to right? push, it's going to push the <laughs> anxiety uh, just a couple of days more into this weekend. But no, like he said, and something that uh, Vlako Nunozzi said after the match, too, where right from kickoff, they executed their game plan perfectly. And it's, it's, it's easy for him to say because he drew up the game plan, and it's also easy to... We, to watch that match again and think, oh, yeah, I see what he's talking about. But of course, as it's happening live, and as in your case, you were watching it on the stream, and then I'm watching it from the press box at Cheney Stadium, it's like it felt like both teams were playing, obviously, to not make that fatal error that leads to that first goal. Because, yeah,
1: they we were even, really cautious in the first half,
0: both yeah. teams
1: it seemed like, yeah.
0: But then, you know, you then hear from the coach himself is like, no, everything that, uh, you know, they drew up came through fruition and it went according to plan. And I, you know, like he said, Jody Taylor was uh, such an influence all over the field, you know, setting up uh Balser's goal, also tracking back and playing defense with the high press. Then, of course she gets her uh, full uh, moment in the, in the sun with the match winner in the 86th minute. Another thing that really impressed me uh, were the performances of Rebecca Quinn and Celia on the defensive side because this was Quinn's second straight match uh, paired up as a center back with Lauren Barnes. And then Celia obviously comes in to just give some rotation from Teresa, but those two were fantastic in basically containing an offensive firepower the likes of Amy Rodriguez, Kristen Press, and outside from her goal, Katie Stengel, too was uh, pretty much ineffective because her goal really came from just a traffic jam in the box.
1: Yeah, toe punk punching a chaos in the box basically. Yeah, yeah I was. It was just night and day between the rain um, Utah match a month ago or so and and this one um, because in that earlier match, while Kristen Press scored score the first in the first match or the second match of their yeah. season, um, she was everywhere. And the only thing the rain could do is pull her jersey back so she wouldn't yeah. get on a breakaway. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, um, as Vlatko talked about after the game, they really focused on pushing her as wide as possible away from the goal. And that was mostly Celia who was asked, getting us to do that. And um, Press had some shots, but I don't remember any of them except for the double sequence that Murphy saved and then went off the post. Yeah which was a quite a nervy moment. But uh, besides that, I don't remember press being very gold dangerous at all.
0: Yeah, that was a nervy moment. And (laughs) I got to say, um, it's one of those things where like the way that sequence played out, it just kind of felt like it's just not going to be in the cards for her that evening because, yeah. Okay. The first shot stops by is stopped by Murphy. Maybe if you run that sequence 10 times over again, Murphy actually smothers the balls and contains it. But, to get a, a rebound and it falls right in front of you for then for you to get a second shot, 10 times out of 10 times, Kristen Press converts that second shot and doesn't hit the post like that. Yeah. So it could have been just one of those things where, of course, obviously as it happened and, you know, you can't predict how the rest of that evening is going to go, but looking back on it, maybe that was just a sign that it just wasn't going to be Utah's night.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah but, yeah all in all, I just um it was a really good rebound from a disappointing performance against Sky blue, and that's all you can ask for heading into the last few games of the yeah. season,
0: yeah, and speaking on that, so you know how ever since Vlaco became the coach of rain f c you and I whenever we've had the incredible privilege to talk to him you know after the match or th- through an interview, you know we get to pick his brain a little bit, but we also get to see little bits of his personality. Yep. Um, I just want to point out that in the post-match on Wednesday night, I think I might have seen for the first time like a full-on swaggy (laughs) watch because he was talking about obviously how uh, well the team performed to get the win and everything. Um, But then he was talking about how they didn't want to play on that Wednesday night because of the fact that that game was originally – supposed to be played the the previous Wednesday last week but because of uh, weather inclement weather just made the field unplayable basically Vladko said that if it was his call they would have played during the FIFA break in the first weekend of October but Mm -hmm. the part that I really enjoyed was he revealed that it was Utah's call to play this past Wednesday because they felt it would have the advantage being that Rain would be without the services of Megan Rapino because she spent Monday in Milan accepting her FIFA World Player of the Year award. And then Flacco talked about how he was more worried about the game against Sky Blue because he felt that that could be one that they could just, you know, gag up and lose, in which they did. <laughs> he said he wasn't worried. He was more worried about that game but because he knew that they were going to beat Utah this past Wednesday,
1: and he just said it so matter of fact, like, mm-hmm. well, there was obviously there was never we were never going to lose to Utah. Um, yeah, I just think um, pretty big statement for them to not want to play that day. Go go with Utah's choice and still win.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of, it, you. It makes you wonder if like he just wrote on a whiteboard for them, like the the, the theme of this game is. Yeah, we don't want to play, but you know what? We're going to beat them anyway. So yeah, whatever. <laughs> He's yeah. no
1: Paul Riley, but he could he could bring out a little bit of that underdog mentality.
0: Yeah, and it was it was just uh, it was just so so much fun just to hear a little bit of swagger in in uh, in Vlaco about about that. Um, it's like as if he wasn't really having a sweat over how high stakes the game was on Wednesday. Yeah. So with, with that result, as we said, Rain FC are currently fourth on the table and uh, on the inside track to uh, clinch the final NWSL playoff spot. Now, math has never been my strong suit, Susie, but where are we in terms of the grand <laughs> picture of, like, how soon can Reign FC theoretically clinch a playoff spot? Because you and I talked about this, and I think – there could even be a situation where they could be half clinched by it before they even play on Sunday.
1: Yeah, as as much as I understand it, if Utah loses against Chicago, um, there's no way they can catch the rain because that would keep them keep them three points behind the rain, um, and the but the rain have the tiebreaker <laughs> now in terms of head to head. Mm -hmm. So if Utah loses, there's no way Utah is catching the rain. And then if the Spirit, they've played one fewer game. Um, If they lose, it's the same scenario. Um, If either team draws, that means there's um, still, I think, um, a little. Let's see. If Washington draws and then wins their next two, they're tied with the rain on points. Mm -hmm. But I can't remember which team are they did they draw all three games this year with the rain yes so then it'd be goal differential and they'd have the what the spirit would have the advantage as of right now
0: yeah with with the with the goal differential of one versus rain fc's minus two
1: yeah so um the 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 short answer to my long answer is if washington and utah lose i think it's the rain habit clinched yeah. Um, but if they draw, it's a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the rain win and they drew, then it would be kind of a guaranteed thing heading into the last game.
0: Right. And if it is this scenario this coming Saturday where Spirit and Utah lo- both lose their respective games, rain only just need, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but would just need a point in their final two games to clinch it. Right, because that math kind of checks out, or yeah,
1: actually, if Utah loses, the rain wouldn't even need a point at all. Because even if the rain lost their final game and Utah won, they'd still just be even on points, okay? But the rain would win in the tiebreaker. Um, and the spirit though is a little trickier in that, um, they could win this, the tiebreaker because they're tied on head-to-head.
0: <laughs> mm. So,
1: to make it not complicated, let's just win.
0: Yeah, but also <laughs> you have to factor in who Utah and Washington are playing respectively this weekend. Yep. And Washington, they're going up against the, the reigning defending uh, champions in North Carolina. North Carolina is not going to stumble here with you know, on the penultimate weekend. Um, not, and I don't think Chicago is either because, you know, they want to secure, they want to solidify their positioning, you know, to be able to host one of the uh, semifinal games. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, needless to say, Rain FC fans, everything's looking good right now, Going he- heading into the penultimate weekend in the league. You really couldn't have asked for a better start in terms of this week being the most important week in the Rain FC season, being that, you know, a chance at postseason play is on the line. And then I know a lot of Rain FC fans don't want to think about it. And you and I certainly have refused to think about it. But, you know, there is this possibility that these uh, Sundays uh, home match against. Portland Thorns FC could be the final home match that Vlak Monanowski ever coaches uh as head coach of Rain FC because of, you know, the the chatter that he's amongst the candidates to be the new national team coach.
1: Yeah. Um I'm not gonna think about it until I have to. <laughs> but obviously it would be such a good thing for the country. Yeah. Um, but uh hopefully. Hopefully, if it is indeed what what the future li- what, what lies in the future, there will be um, a, another NWSL championship to his name before he says goodbye.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we all know how much uh, he would bring to the national team program. But call us bias. But, Susie, you and I know he'd be doing so much uh, greater good if he remains as Reign FC head coach. Forever.
1: for sure forever forever <laughs> <laughs> indeed
0: yeah and speaking about uh what vloggo has done to nw players whether they're fresh out of college or established league veterans or in some cases a bona fide world superstar coming up after the break you're actually going to hear from one of those uh players you're actually going to hear from uh, the World Player of the Year and two-time World Cup champion, Megan Rapino. Have you heard about her, Susie? Uh,
1: the name sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to get to know her a little bit more in your interview.
0: Yeah, I think uh, people will like this uh, young upstart named Megan Rapino. So yeah. you'll get to listen to her uh, talk f- uh, for a good 20 minutes after the break. I am here with... FIFA World Cup Player of the Year, World Cup champion Megan Rapino. Megan, how are you hey. doing today?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. So in preparing for this interview, I was asking myself, what are you know, what are the questions I can ask you that you haven't been asked before? And seeing that you know you've done so many interviews i think i found i found a good question to start <laughs> the off with
2: over. <laughs> yeah
0: i think i found a good question to st- start off with and maybe it's the hardest one at least it's been a point of contention amongst your teammates okay megan pineapple on pizza yay or nay
2: yay yeah big yay I cool. like pineapple on
0: pizza. You're restoring balance in that because it's been kind of an even split amongst some of your teammates. J.C. Johnson emphatically against it. That's weird. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's really good.
0: Jess Fishlock also was against it.
2: She doesn't know. She's from Wales. I have terrible <laughs> food.
0: Yeah, it also... <laughs> She's uh, from the UK. When we asked her, she said, um, I also don't understand chicken on pizza. That's what she said.
2: I mean, she probably doesn't even understand pizza.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Megan, how's it been for you with everything after the World Cup, in terms of just like the media tour, obviously you kind of ascend on a on a whole other level of fame and um, of fame and stardom because people that were never following women's soccer at all, because they, oh yeah, I know who Megan Rapinoe is, for one reason or another. How's it been for you? Has it? Are you still kind of, you know, assessing it all, or you've all, you know, how's it all been for you?
2: It's a good question. That's a hard question to answer, actually. Um, Overall, it's been very good. Of course, I mean, we won the World Cup, so that's the whole point of of doing everything that we do. Um, So that's amazing. But that also seems like such a secondary thing. Of all the interviews that I've done, there's been very few that have actually like asked questions about that, Mm -hmm. um, which is interesting. um, And normally, probably wouldn't be good, but in this instance, it's amazing because what we did completely transcended sport and something so much more important than sport and. Really, kind of shows the the powerful vehicle that sport can be. Um, it's been crazy. It's been like totally wild. Mm-hmm. I think you know, having my life you know change quite dramatically and probably forever. Um, you know, within the matter of a month or um, a couple of weeks is nuts. It's been busy and tons of travel and media and um, you know trying to sort of do it all. Um, at one time is is difficult. I'll admit that, Um, you know, having to come back um, as exciting as it is to bring all the excitement back from the World Cup and into the league. It's hard to do that. It's hard to, you know, for all the players to come back and do that. It's hard for the teams to then have the players come back. It's kind of like not fair for anyone. Um, So just trying to manage it all and balance it all and enjoy it and um, celebrate as, as much as we can. And yeah, it's been crazy
0: does the momentum of bringing the success from uh, the World Cup in France is it a lot different than what it was four years ago
2: yeah I think so um it definitely is the the success I think is on a much bigger level and like I was kind of saying before it's I think last time it was very much like oh this is an amazing sports moment in the summer um and this one is, is totally different. This is tapping into to something far beyond that, it's tapping into frustrations of, of past and um, present and social issues and gender equity and all of these different things. Um, that's sort of igniting people and exciting people in a different way than we've done before.
0: Right. Okay. Um, speaking of all the media tour that you've been doing, what's been one of the weirdest and most annoying questions that you've uh, had to answer or that's been asked <laughs> to you? Oh,
2: uh, um, I don't know. Weirdest and most annoying. I mean,
0: I imagine there have been some people that have been trying to bait you into talking about Trump here and there.
2: Yeah, um, I don't need much baiting. I mean, I'm pretty open. There's not really a lot of topics that, there's really no topics that I don't want to talk about. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I'll have to think about that. Generally, it's been pretty good, though.
0: How was the rum that you um, took a drink from uh, on Desis and Merrill?
2: <laughs> it, w- it was rum, <laughs> that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, it was good. It was actually quite smooth. Nice. I was, I was impressed.
0: So um, going back to what the U.S. team did at the World Cup, because obviously you guys won it, but it seems like everybody on the team... Paid, more or less paid a physical price on it because obviously you came back from it injured mm-hmm. Ali came back from it injured Alex mm-hmm. Morgan came back from it injured and has mm-hmm. been shut down for the season um does it obviously does it, it feels like it was all worth it for all the physical pain to get that fourth star to become a two-time world cup champion um but yeah can you just talk about like what you know the physical toll you guys push yourselves to get that uh second world cup trophy
2: mm-hmm yeah, I mean, there's the the toll of the tournament, obviously. Um, so you're playing seven games in a month or whatever yeah. it is, or three weeks, um, which is it's very difficult. And for all the players playing all the minutes, of course, that's difficult. But for the players who aren't playing the minutes, you're training every day and preparing the team and having to try to keep yourself fit while really not getting very many days off. At least if you play, you get a few rest mm-hmm. days. But um, it's difficult for everyone in the squad. But then there's also, like, you know, the, the last year or two years, really, of kind of intense preparation and, uh, you know, pretty much like a year-round schedule, playing a lot of games, playing the NWSL, um, playing the international friendlies and games, and stuff like that. So it kind of all sort of culminates in this moment, and then, you know, the wheels fall off a little bit. <laughs> but I think everyone, everyone kind of knows that that, that happens, and, yeah. um, you know, especially a few of the, the players that are a little bit older, have a little bit more miles in their legs. Um, there's only so much you can do.
0: Shifting focus to right here, right now with Rain FC. You were obviously at the press conference where they announced the move to Tacoma. Mm -hmm. How's it been for you in terms of just uh, overall commute to and from uh, Tacoma and just the change of scenery?
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, unfortunately I haven't got to play very many games here. I think I've only played in in two games Mm -hmm. or so here. So hopefully next season I'll I'll be much more of a presence. Um, I did get a Tesla. Um, to help combat the, the commute, uh, which is si- significant, I've never had a commute before. <laughs> and, uh, I gotta admit, I don't really like it. Um, but the, the atmosphere here has been really good. Stadium's been, uh, you know, for the most part, full of people, and it seems like uh, the community of Tacoma has really accepted us. And showing up for the games, and hopefully with uh, a year under our belt next season, uh, we'll have an even bigger showing.
0: Yeah, I remember you talking with uh, Meg Lunan a couple weeks ago about the adjustment from Seattle to Tacoma and how, you know, you were kind of wondering why is it that, you know, we people would go to Seattle Sounders games, but then it was always a case of, like, not many of them still ever came. Still wondering. So, yeah, still wondering. Have you ever received any sort of, like, blowback, or I hate to use the phrase, but did anybody go, well, actually, you know, in terms of, like, why there seems to be still somewhat of a disconnect between people that obviously go to CenturyLink Field for Sounders games, but then when it comes to supporting the women's game, it's it seems like it's quite an endeavor for a lot of people to make that commitment.
2: Yeah, I don't know what the reason is. Uh, I really we, don't. We've been,
0: ask, we've been trying to figure it out yeah, as well. I've been
2: well. trying to get to the bottom of it for about seven years now. Um, <laughs> I would love some blowback on it, <laughs> any kind of feedback or blowback or why um people are you know willing to show up because obviously if, if you show up in droves we'd be at century yeah we would just play the games there so that would be the atmosphere that everyone's saying that we don't have or that would be the venue or that would be the quality of pitch or whatever um whatever we want to say um yeah so i don't know i would love feedback blowback any kind of talk back from anybody about what's uh What's the disconnect between you know a, a great team that we've had here historically and um, and now with great competition? There's obviously stars on every team, um, you know some of the best players in the world. Five of the top eleven players in the world play in the NWSL. Mm-hmm. so um, you know you can see them on a weekend and week out basis. I'm I'm quite baffled by the situation. Yeah.
0: yeah, we we do hope that with the success of the World Cup and the increase in attention and also in the league, but also sponsorship money that you know, that disconnect does get sorted out somewhat gradually, slowly, but yeah, it's been one of those more fascinating situ- situations where, you know, 40,000 are a CenturyLink link field for Sounders games. But then when you guys were playing in Seattle, you know, there wasn't yeah. a whole lot of, uh, turn it's kind cover. of incredible. Yeah.
2: Not in a good way.
0: Yeah. Incredible, frustrating, what have you. Yeah. Um, so. One question that I was actually surprised wasn't brought up when you were doing the spot with complex when you were uh, shopping some sneakers, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to pose it to you. It's the end times and you can only save three pairs of sneakers from your closet. Which ones are you saving?
2: Oh man. Um, definitely the new Sakai waffles, either in the gray and white or the pink ones. Mm. Um, Probably go gray and white. Jordan off white ones, just because it's iconic. Yeah. Um, and my Celine loafers, black. Do you
0: it's have It's not eight?
2: really a sneaker, but it's my staple shoe. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
0: um. So this was a question from my writing partner, Susie, mm-hmm. uh, who was going to be with us for this recording, but unfortunately couldn't make it. But here's a question from her. We've obviously seen you evolve your game, but what, under, what are your reflections on how Vlako has pushed you as a player these past two seasons?
2: Oh, I mean, vlaco has been I mean instrumental in my development as a player, um, as was Laura um, before he got here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like immediately. I mean, it was like you know one of the first weeks that he was here, he was already like critiquing my game and how I could get better, the areas that I could get better, how I can be more impactful, I can get on the ball more to be more of a playmaker. Um, I feel like those tweaks before him, I was sitting quite wide, I think, and kind of waiting for the play to come to me. Um, and I think he's encouraged me a lot to to balance balance the being wide, but also. Um, You know, if the ball can never reach you, you can never get it, and you're not going to be impactful. So get in there, get in the middle, um, you know, be closer to the ball, be able to, um, you know, get on the ball more, be more of a playmaker for all of my teammates. Um, And then actually our assistant coach, Milan, has done a lot of work on me with finishing in the box, just being patient, when to cut, when to strike, when to, uh, you know, kind of do little moves. But um, I think that's actually one of Vlaka's best qualities is to meet every player where they are and and take a look at their game and say how can I make this player better Mm -hmm. Um, you know whether you're already on the national team or want to be on the national team or you're coming right out of college um, I think his ability to do that um, is very special and then you know it's it's up to you as a player obviously to to take that on board Uh, but I feel so lucky to you know be in this environment where I've had amazing amazing coaches and uh, you know who have of course I'm one of the, you know, one of the best players on the team, but to not just kind of, like, let me do yeah. whatever. Um, I think that it's uh, been so helpful to me to be, like, kept to that standard all the time, and it kind of keeps me motivated, keeps me hungry and wanting more, and how can I find these little parts of my game that uh, that I can really improve on. And I think, you know, the last couple of years, I think it's no um, – you know, no mistake that the correlation between how I'm playing in a club and how I'm playing with the national team sort of go hand in hand, mm-hmm. and these have been some of the best years of my career.
0: And speaking of uh, playing on this team, where Vladko, you know, pretty much holds every player to the same standard, whether you are you are someone fresh out of college or, in your case, one of the uh, handful of Rain FC originals that have been here since year one, um, with all the new faces and uh, youth on this team. Does that make you feel a lot older, or does it feel like uh, all the younger players are giving you uh, renewed energy?
2: (laughs) Both. (laughs) I feel (laughs) renewed energy and uh, old at the same time. Um, I need the renewed energy because I'm old. Um, No, I mean, part of it is just you're on the field, and you're just a player, and you don't feel older or younger. Um, You just sort of are where you are. Definitely off the field, I feel older. Um, I'm like, you know, 10-plus years older than some of these players which is kind of funny Um, but on the field you know minus a little bit of extra running that they should do for me uh, we're all pretty much the same.
0: So obviously you've been playing the game for a long time was there ever been has there ever been a point where you just wanted to uh, quit and just stop playing it?
2: Not really the game. Um, sometimes I want to quit everything else, <laughs> but like really doing podcasts game. like this. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Like doing media. And, uh, no, I enjoy it. Um, no, I still I still love the game very much. I love uh, putting on my cleats. I love being out there. I love playing in games. Like I'm always excited to um, be in the games. So obviously, this year has been a little bit harder post World Cup. Um, it's just the World Cup is exhausting. Yeah. As it is. Um, and it's like an incredible emotional high. Um, even if you win, even if you, you know, are the the team lucky enough to win, it's still a big high that you have to come down from and, uh, you know, sort of adjust to. So it's, it's been difficult, I think for, for all of us coming back and, and playing right away. Um, but no, I, I feel like I just, I still love the game and love lacing on my you know, my boots.
0: You just mentioned how it was tough just to come straight from the major tournament to, you know, pretty much jump into cell play. Do you think that that's something that the league, in terms of growing itself, making itself better, needs to accommodate for the next time? Obviously, there's the Olympics next year, but, um, you know, for future uh, seasons where there's a major international tournament, that there should be like a bye week or two where those players uh, would get... Uh, Rest time?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, I, I think it's actually a, like a serious problem that needs to be addressed. I mean, we played the final on July 8th, and players were playing in games July 21st. Yes. And we really, you know, weren't even back in our markets until like the 14th or 15th. So, I mean, that's just, that's not fair to ask of a player to, um, to play in a World Cup final two weeks later you know, basically one week later with with all the travel and the celebrations and festivities to do that. It's not really fair to that player. It's not really fair to the teams either to, you know, have their players out and it's like they want their their players back, but you're not getting back the player that, you know, is at the top of their game. You're yeah. getting back a very exhausted emotionally, physically, mentally, everything exhausted player. So yeah, I don't really know what the solution is. Obviously our league is in the summer. Great if we didn't, if great if we had you know, an all-year-round league, and we took the summers off like every other league, but I don't know if that's really a viable option right now, but some sort of built-in time for people to at least, you know, unpack their bags and do laundry would be nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think a couple of days ago, there was a report that said while Rose Lavelle was dressed for Washington Spirits game on Wednesday, she wasn't actually available for selection because U.S. Soccer sent the Spirit, a letter basically saying, hey, she needs a break because she traveled to Milan like you did for, yeah. for the awards and don't play her.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, she'd be exhausted, you know, a player, a player like – I mean, a lot of – even the players that have played and played every minute and maybe they look like they're fine. Mm-hmm. They're not fine. They're yeah. exhausted, <laughs> you know, every single player. Not just the U.S. players, All you know, all the other players that yeah. play in the World Cup. It's a, it's a huge emotional toll as well to do something like that and then to have to jump – Right back in is just difficult. And I feel for the clubs as well because they're like, well, we lost our players. We want our players back. Yeah. And we want them back as soon as possible. We want them to play 90 minutes. You ain't getting mm-hmm. no subs. So, you know, I, I feel for them as well. It's not their fault, but it's not our fault either. And I just don't think it's sustainable for players, to, you know, or safe really to be putting yourself in that position where you're exhausted and then you're having to go and play in and the end of the cell, which is incredibly difficult. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of people, when they, or, you know, look at, the NWCL or women's sports in general, like, oh, you know, they think it's a high level. Oh, if we just, you know, give them more money, either salaries or sponsorship money, that it'll all be good and, you know, all problems solved. But mm. it's like things like you just said, where if there was a bye week after a major international tournament or two yeah. where you guys can actually completely decompress. And it's those little things that, you know, hearing from you and from Jess Fishlock and other players that say... Yes, you guys would like to have, you know, higher salaries, but there's a bunch of other little things that add mm-hmm. up that makes just as much uh, of an impact in, you know, maintaining a proper healthy lifestyle of being a professional athlete and whatever the demands of your sport calls for.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the standards and, um, you know, sort of, yeah, all the standards around player safety and um, and really just what's best to make sure that the best possible product is being put mm-hmm. on the field you know so flying across the country and playing midweek and then you know flying again and playing on the week it's like that's not going to put that's obviously not safe for the players yeah. but it's not going to put the best product on the field also so how do we combat around that it's sort of a, um, you know a problem that affects many different areas in the field and then obviously you know investment in everything and making sure that everything is super professional for the players for the fans for the clubs everything um you know is the goal
0: um, so let's change topics here. Okay. Okay. Right. So at the She Believes Cup, you and your fellow U.S. national te- uh, teammates uh, all wore jerseys with names of influential women that were, you know, played a role in your respective lives. Mm-hmm. In your case, you went with Audrey Lord, mm-hmm. and doing so, I think, introduced to a whole new generation of who Audrey Lord is and, you know, her impacts on society if you were going to create a sort of like these are like the three essential works of audrey lord that you should start off with like what would they be
2: oh gosh i don't know uh <laughs> you know honestly one of the reasons that i picked audrey lord is because i didn't know a ton about her hadn't read a lot of her works before so mm-hmm. it was kind of like you know a, a challenge to me and a challenge to everybody else because i knew everyone else didn't know about her yeah either so uh I mean, I think just any of like get into any of them. I think mean, I think one of her main ones is um, was it My Name Is Zami.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it's one of her books, and even just like a collection of her essays and collection of her poems
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, would be a good start for anyone. But just any reading really <laughs> is, right. is probably a plus. <laughs>
0: cool. Yeah, it was because uh, I well. Made myself like I wasn't too familiar with all of her words, mm-hmm. like I knew of uh, the name, but then when I saw you, you put her name on your jersey, it's like wow, that is really cool. And just imagine how many uh, younger people are going to see that. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. some. How many the... Google searches there yeah. were? Uh, yeah, good. they're obviously yeah. probably thinking that you were uh, referencing the singer Lord, but no. It's... No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's
2: exactly. a
0: more important cultural figure.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it's been announced that uh, next year you are releasing a book. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give us a preview of like what's going to be in that book? <laughs>
2: um, it'll be a memoir, um, but it won't be sort of your typical athlete memoir of like, um, I was five, and then I was 15, and then I was 25, and now I'm 35. <laughs> 34. Um, I hope to, I mean, obviously, soccer will be a part of it, but I hope to sort of touch on. Um, You know the sort of greater movement of what's happening right now, and my role within that, and what I, you know, the sort of the reasons that I do the things that I do, or the why I feel compelled to, uh, you know, speak out or use this platform in a certain way, and hopefully get to a bigger thing outside of just sports. I think at this point, you know, I'm, I'm 34. People know about me and know about my past and know about my life and all of those things. I'm not really interested in running down a chronology of my life, so. Hopefully, we can get into some more interesting topics and a little bit more broad than just soccer.
0: All right. And as the saying goes, if there's a book, chances are there's going to be a movie adaptation. (laughs) If a movie is going to be made about your life and career, Megan, who do you want to play you?
2: Oh, gosh. Well, I love Tilda Swinton. That's no secret. Um, I don't know how she would do on the field,
0: though.
2: Um, (laughs) Gosh, I, I don't know. Maybe um, Timothy Chalamat. Okay. He's great. Nice. We can dye that hair pink, no
0: problem. (laughs) Uh, We have a couple more questions because I know uh, you have um, limited time. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, this is a question that we've been asking your teammates as well. You're in charge of the Match Day playlist. What three songs are you putting on there to get everyone hyped up?
2: Oh. It's kind of inappropriate, but Migos Fight Night is always a good one. Uh, Unbleeped version. Um, a little Drake. I mean, anything Drake is dope. And mm-hmm. right now, I'm really into Maggie Rogers, so something, something from Maggie Rogers.
0: Are you gonna talk to Darian Jenkins about getting some of those songs in there? Because supposedly she's in charge of. She them, is in the charge.
2: And she does a good job. I might slip it in there. I don't like to be around the playlists at all. It's too much work and <laughs> it's like too much focus and too much expectation from people and then no one's ever happy so i try to stay away from it
0: (laughs) okay um a lot of your rain fc teammates have dogs how do you feel about dogs and if you had to choose dogs or cats
2: oh definitely dogs um i love dogs they're so cute uh, but they're a lot of work. They're like little, you know, basically like seventy-five percent of a little baby. So you're, it's like you're having to get up, you got to walk them, you got to feed them, you got to do all this stuff. They are really cute, and you love them. But I have, I just don't. I would, I mean, my dog would die in a minute. I'd be like the most negligent parent ever. So I like when other people have dogs, and I can just get a little dose of them when I need. All
0: right, and uh, we'll close this interview with just two more questions. Well, actually, just one more question. Sunday, you guys are playing against that old familiar foe, Portland Thorns. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about that game?
2: I mean, always it's like bleep Portland, you know. (laughs) This is like, you know, it has like playoff implications on the line. We're playing Portland. We're at home. You don't need more motivation than
0: that. Cool. Well, Megan, is there anything else you'd like to say before we end this chat?
2: No, I'm good. Thanks for having me on.
0: So we are back. Susie. Uh, I know you still have to listen to the full interview that I did with Megan Rapino, but since It, says it it's always seems to be one of the more uh fun, if not debate debate provoking topics that we do on Coffee and Valkyries, what is your assessment about the way Pino answered uh the vaunted uh pineapple question on pizza well, question?
1: There was some fighting words there with Jess Fishlock. So <laughs> we'll see what she has to say about those comments. Mm-hmm um but it is nice to have someone someone else on the pineapple on pizza train
0: yeah she's slowly uh doing her part to help restore balance in the debate yeah yeah i think we are now like an on an even split about that
1: yeah because i feel like there were some kind of neutral parties in in recent conversations
0: mm-hmm.
1: um she wasn't so, so neutral but
0: yeah it was just it's just fun and to hear her basically roast uh, <laughs> Jess Fishlock. But then, you know, they've been teammates for seven years. It's, you know, it's one of those things that yeah. they, they get used to just, you know, giving each other banter and things like that.
1: All in love.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about uh, the weekend's matches. For this, uh, for these sets of predictions, we're just going to talk about Sunday's matches because we're, we're pretty clear in who we want. Uh, to win Saturday's game, so you yeah. know. And besides, they are Washington and Utah are going to lose. So exactly. No, 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 disres-
1: need to de- no need to debate this.
0: No disrespect to our, <laughs> to our media colleagues that covered those teams, but sorry, your teams are going to lose.
1: It's just fate.
0: Yeah, that's just them's them's the rules. Yep. So Sunday, you have Sky Blue hosting Orlando in their home regular season home finale being played at Red Bull arena
1: listen, Sky Blue has been pretty fun and great to watch. I think they're like two two two, and one or something in our last five games, so mm-hmm. i'm 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 feeling like Sky blue is on the upswing, and they're gonna pull out a win against uh continuing to struggle orlando side,
0: yeah. Sky Blue, I think, is going to be uh, an interesting team to watch in the offseason. If it is, they keep uh, interim coach Freya Coombe, and she's no, she loses the interim title and has become the full time coach. Because the way she was talking about the team's performance last Saturday, where they came to Cheney Stadium and beat Rain FC and put, a, at the time, a serious dent in Rain's playoff uh, chances. She clearly wants to build a program in Sky Blue, and it's a matter of finishing strong these last two games for her, and by that, obviously identifying who's going to be her core for twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everything has gone so right for Sky Blue ever since Elise LaHue took over, yeah, the general manager duties. So you kind of it's almost impossible to think that Coombe wouldn't be the head coach going into 2020 so she gets a full off season to you know bring it to scout college players to tap into her network to bring in somebody from, you know from abroad to help uh you know rebuild sky blue
1: yeah there's so much young talent there to build around so but yeah. like you said um there's lots of opportunities then for them to go a lot further and sort of show the league that they are Serious about remaining contenders in the league.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can. T- there's talent, especially with Paige Boynahan, to build yeah. on that as part of your attack. As part of your attack.
1: Amani Dorsey, she's Monty actually Dorsey. looked pretty solid as a left back. Converted, yeah. converted in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, it's been just really nice to see them all click together. And Kaylin Sheridan's just having, I think across the whole season has been the goalkeeper of the year yeah. um, just because she's been really consistent.
0: Which is really amazing considering, you know, all of everything that happened to Sky Blue last season, you know, all, all those uh, hardships can, you know, seriously affect somebody's uh, confidence and also development. And she just keeps getting better and better.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other matchup on Sunday is, our favorite nwsl team rain fc versus that old familiar foe portland thorns fc
1: just a little bit of a rivalry and what a fun way to close out this the the Rains home stand mm-hmm. um with a sold-out match
0: yeah If you, um, anybody that's going to the match on sunday uh hit the road early <laughs>
1: Hit the road early. Don't forget it's at 11 a.m., not 1 p.m. as it originally was scheduled. So make sure you get there before kickoff and don't so you're not disappointed.
0: Yeah. And just remember, there's going to be a lot of people there. I feel like they're going to hit 7,000 in terms of attendance again. Yeah. Uh, Just, yeah, be patient because also it's going to be under the bright lights of an ESPN broadcast.
1: So exciting! We haven't had that for so long because yeah. of Memorial. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, and so there's enough pomp and circumstance on that aspect, and then it's also against your right, you know, rival Portland Thorns. But Rain FC have a chance to to pull off the season series sweep.
1: Yeah, I. It's always hard to predict seattle portland or seattle oh my gosh rain portland games because um they're they're rivalry and so you never really can predict them but i feel like the rain are so confident right now after that utah win and portland struggled in the last few games they eked out a win against houston they got demolished by the courage so um i think when you're thinking of momentum and the fact that the rain are at home i have to give it to the rain and I could see it being another one, nothing affair as both games have been previously this year.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're correct. Rivalry games. It can always take the best laid plans and just throw them out the window. And it could just be one of those games where neither side plays well, but then something weird, fluky, whatever you want to call it happens. And then, you know, boom, one team scores and that could be the match match winner but yeah I I'm with you I think rain win this because after winning at, on Wednesday against uh, Utah it kind of feels like they're playing with house money yeah, Honestly, yeah. you I can even argue that the, the position that they're in right now heading even heading into Wednesday's match um, a couple of days ago has been playing with house money mm-hmm. given you know how many people have been injured you know we've said it before that all those injuries and the departures with the world cup and trying to mix in new talent that you, you know, at at points, they were just signing like every single day. And, you know, you could, they could have easily punted on this season because of all those things. Yeah. But they did not And they're right now they're, you know, they're sitting on a playoff spot. So it feels like they're, they've, they're still playing with house money and, and yeah, a swaggy black just does not care. (laughs)
1: And, like, who who would have known that looking at an injury airport with six people on it would feel like the most enormous victory? But right now yeah. we're like, wow, what a small injury report <laughs> this
0: week. Like, Yeah, it's been that sort of season where <laughs> they could have fielded a legitimate starting 11 based on injured players. And now <laughs> now we're celebrating the fact that it's only just six players on the SEI. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's wild.
0: Yeah, it it definitely has been a wild season. And yeah, there's still two games left uh, for them to, you know, possibly uh, punch their tickets to postseason play. And then we could then be talking about amongst ourselves, but also with our media colleagues, like, Rain could be the most dangerous team in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, if they have all their their players healthy that aren't on season-ending injuries and have this momentum, have such a masterful coach with a smart game plan, it's gonna get interesting.
0: It is gonna get interesting, but we are still a long ways away from talking about those we things. We are. It's uh, you know, we've asked Vlaco this you know a, a couple of times over and. He'll, he'll always say it's all about just the next game, the next game. So, yep, you
1: know, one game all, at a time.
0: All their focus is on Sunday, and uh, that's where we will be on Sunday. And we're hoping that it's going to be a good match.
1: Yeah, I can't wait.
0: Before we sign off on this episode, too, is there anything else you would like to say?
1: Um, I guess I would just say that it's been really cool. This is the last time regular season match at Cheney Stadium and it's been really cool to see Tacoma show up for this team and mm-hmm. I know people are coming from outside of Tacoma but the fact that the rain did indeed break their um, single season attendance record two games before the season was even over with their home matches um, just says a lot about the potential for keeping the team in Tacoma and building something really special there.
0: I agree and f- who knows? They might even break that record on Sunday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Their single single game record. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which, again, I don't know how they would not get a sternly worded letter from the fire marshal, but... <laughs> I
1: know. That last 7,000 game was like, wow, you're putting people everywhere. <laughs> yeah.
0: That look and felt a lot. <laughs> and you and I can talk about how times when... When In the rare times, but it did happen when Memorial Stadium got to like five thousand, and that look felt and sounded a lot,
1: yeah, yeah, even five thousand in the midweek game against utah it it sounded um it sounded really exciting on the stream, and it, it was an active, engaged crowd, so that it's just yeah, it's been fun to see um people really embrace the rain at Cheney
0: yep so with that. We are done with this episode of Coffee and Valkyries. As always, thank you for listening.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.